Obviously. On the prompt. You allow the app, like the, the watch app, the ability to authenticate. Is that what they call Like What, what is what, like the old? What are you trying to say? <laughs> Welcome to the prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is the 19th of March, 2014. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. This is episode 40. Guys, we are in a midlife crisis. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Federico. Hey, Mike. How are you at 40? I'm very How good. Do you feel? I'm going to buy a sports you car. Know, you know, they say that in Italy, we say that life starts at 40. We say that in the UK, too. Stephen oh, Hacker, nice. do they say that in America? Uh, I think most people are dead. By that point. Okay, cool. Stephen, aren't you like already 40 or something? No, I'm only like three years older than you. No, that's not true. You have like a full-on family. It's true, yeah. (laughs) Two kids, one on the way. Yay! I'm I'm surrounded. um, So I record in my daughter's bedroom, which we're kind of turning into nursery slash like preschool room. And so... Earlier, the two of you guys heard me knock over. There was a line of princess figurines on the desk. I knocked them all over. They're all dead. So that's my world. Uh, no, I'm fine. How are, how are you guys? Are you good? Yeah, good. Really good. Yeah. So this podcast begins at 40, right? Yeah. It's a whole new life. It's a whole new world for us today. I mean, some, some people would say that our show begins at 40 minutes every week. That's, that's a good point, actually. I think some uh, podcast apps just have a skip follow-up section, which is ridiculous because follow-up is the a lot best. of fun. Yeah. I mean, especially when you say it right now. Follow-up. Yep. I'm still doing that. Yeah. So I'm making it really obvious where you drop in the sound clip. Well, I mean, you know, why not? Uh, we're just drawing more attention to it now. Mm-hmm. So we... Um, <clears throat> I would I would break our follow up in a couple sections this week. And the first one is things that are hard. And so we have some tweets from some people. Um, uh, Trevor Polak tweeted, uh, the two terms rule for US of A president was passed after FDR had four terms in office. I I was struggling to remember which Roosevelt it was because there was Franklin Delano and then there was uh teddy i couldn't remember which one so no one cares u.s politics are so difficult for me to understand yeah like i'm happy that we now have the correct answer but it yeah it doesn't help me understand it i mean i i needed to look up stuff on wikipedia when i was watching house of cards same here it was like we're like three episodes in and my girlfriend What's turns to me and is like, I don't understand what the Congress is. And I was like, okay, yeah, let I me try and see if I can explain this. I didn't understand what a whip was. So I was I was thinking that there was a guy with a whip going around. That's Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the next piece of follow-up is uh, from who has to have the coolest Twitter handle, the Axe. Yeah. The, yeah. The axe. <clears throat> uh, follow up, re missed notifications. Um, if you have notifications on your lock screen but unlock without reading them, then they move into uh, missed notifications. And so, you know, if you pick up your phone after an hour and you might have eight things on there, 
and you only open one of them. Or if you, uh, you know, in iOS 7, if you bring down the notification center on the home screen and take it all the way to the bottom and all the way back up, it will clear the notifications from the lock screen, which is pretty cool. And it seems like those things trigger items moving into missed notifications. Uh, I believe this is a classic case of over-engineering a, yeah. a, a solution to a problem because this, I mean, does anyone really need this kind of, you know, differentiation between notifications? Because, because everybody's getting in touch with me and send me emails, Italian listeners, English listeners, and they're telling me, I know how missed notifications work and everybody has a different interpretation of the technology. So my, my what, what I'm getting at is that I believe somebody at Apple thought that it would be fun to somehow make a difference between normal notifications and like special notifications you missed. And the, the, the mm. reality is that most people don't understand how they work. <laughs> like even though I now have the explanation, I still don't find it very useful. I, I still don't get it. Like all I, it's I, doing I, is showing my notifications in chronological order. That's not that important to me. Like I don't know who it's really that important for. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's. I, I, agree, I agree with Federico. This seems like a solution to something that was not a problem, and um, you know, I bet it goes away at some point in the future. I, I think it's too convoluted. Yeah. Um, coming up next, more things that are hard. Um, aftermarket CarPlay enabled head units seem to be difficult. Um, Mike, you had expressed some doubt that. Uh, you know, I think we talked about Pioneer in specific that they would be able or willing to do this, and it turns out that um, Pioneer has really um, kind of well, it was just this not, rep, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, rep. it was just like a customer service rep, right? And so yeah. they've sort of uh, backed away from that, and uh, Volvo um, and stuff said, you know, Volvo saying they're not announcing any aftermarket solutions for their cars. I mean, I think all the reasons you laid out last week are definitely good, and I think it's probably the case. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm sure they would love to do it, but yeah. Apple probably have been strong-armed if they wanted it at all. Yeah. The next thing that is uh, difficult is the entire universe. We have this thing on the prompt <laughs> that if we say something, uh, either... It becomes true for everyone. So, Mike, you were saying how your phone crashed and then all of a sudden everybody's phone started crashing. Oh, we like a service and then the service goes away. Yes. Uh, the the new version of that, uh, we've we've spoken about the size of the iPhones of the 16 gigabyte base model. We feel, and a lot of people feel this isn't unique to us, that that's really too small and that we would like to see a base model come with 32 gigs uh, and we're going to get to a lot of this later in the show but I, th- I thought it was funny as follow-up that the curse has reappeared and apple now has an 8 gigabyte iphone again which they haven't had in years and also this week there was rumors that no, missed that the uh, missed notifications thing is going away yeah <laughs> so, so like- we are we are continuing to to shape the very fabric of space and time with yeah. our with our show is really mm-hmm. what's happening but seriously, what's the point of uh, an eight gigabyte <laughs> iPhone? Are you are you going to? I mean, are we gonna talk about it this later. Yeah, we. Yes. Are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
perfect. Yeah. Don't don't yeah. don't worry, Federico. It's all in the okay. plan. Because I'm yes. I'm all I'm all fired up about this. Me yes. too. I like, I, 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 I have thoughts. I have opinions. Oh really? To, uh, <laughs> you? Yes. You have an opinion? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Kind of yeah. weird, guy. Federico, fired up. Okay. Um, <laughs> the next thing that is difficult is uh, human memory. So we talked a lot about how iOS 7.1, you know, fixes the crashiness and the unstable stuff um, is, you know, not awesome. And but 7.1 fixed it. Turns out that we have completely forgotten, apparently, how crappy iPhone OS 3 was. Uh, so I've got a couple links in the show notes. Um in September 2009, Apple released, uh, and this is before I air quote iOS, iPhone OS 3.1 update, but it caused a bunch of crashes on the iPhone 3G. And then they had, uh, I do remember this iPhone or iPhone OS 3 had a lot of battery life issues and they had a couple updates trying to, trying to solve that. Um, well, several people sent this in of like, you got, you know, how easily we forget that just, you know, five years ago, you know, people were saying that iPhone OS was really buggy. And so I don't really have anything to say about that, except that, yes, we had forgotten. And, uh, you know, I don't systems. remember this. Or, I, have, I or, have no recollection of iOS or, 3. Or maybe that, given the fact that it's been five years and Apple has much more money and, and it's bigger, maybe they should have avoided such a situation of a buggy OS. Maybe, I don't know. I'm just saying. I mean, it's been five years and you're... You're a much larger company, much more successful. So maybe, you know, next time try to make an OS that doesn't crash. Is that is that too crazy to, to ask for? I think it might be. And now, uh, now I'm going to get all the, the comments. Oh, why are you hating on iOS 7 so much? Oh, Federico, cr- Federico yes. why do you hate iOS 7 so much? Yeah, because it crashes. Mm, but does it crash it, though or it, is that just you? It used to. No, it crashes for everybody. No, I think it's just it's, you. Why do you yeah, hate yeah. Apple? Well, I don't understand. I, I don't. <laughs> you do, though. I don't know why you you claim you should be like hate stories yeah. or something. You, you know what? I'm switching to BlackBerry. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Yeah. No, I think that'd be really good for you um, to do. Get a little keyboard. You can do some you know, uh, I'm going word to, processing. I, I'm going to automate my BlackBerry. Can you imagine the work you could do? I will show you how it's done. Keyboard shortcuts, like physical keyboard shortcuts. Wow. Uh, do, do, do those phones like ship with a, with a little trackball on, on the keyboard? Sometimes. Yeah, I'm going to... Like, uh, they have know. like these little square touch things instead now. I will script it. Script and that. I will show you. No, seriously. Um, I, I do remember iOS, uh, iPhone OS. What's the name? iPhone OS 3. And I actually, you know... Um, there's a friend of mine. I I sold my original iPhone to her, and for the longest time she didn't want to get a new iPhone. She wanted to use this uh, this original iPhone, and so um, she wanted, however, to to install the latest apps and and features. So I I I think that I talked about this on the show before. I installed the the White Door custom firmware on the phone. Yeah. Which is basically iPhone OS 3.1 with a custom skin, and I believe that in the past in the past month, past two months, they released uh, a new version to to get the iOS 7 look and some of the iOS 7 features. Wow. But this is basically like this is a jail jailbreak kind of thing that basically modifies the entire OS 
to mimic uh, the latest version of iOS of iOS 7 from Apple. It's crazy stuff. In the meantime, she upgraded to an iPhone 4S. So my old phone is finally and officially dead. Oh, do do you have some funeral music you could play, Mike? No. no please okay. don't. So the last bit of follow-up is about OneNote for Mac, which was rumored that it was coming out for free. It is now out for free. Uh, it's on the Mac App Store, which I find really interesting. Um, Microsoft Remote Desktop has been on the App Store for a while, but this marks the first time that an Office uh, Microsoft Office application has made it to the Mac App Store, which, you know, indication to me that maybe when the new Office for Mac rolls around, which is rumored to be this year, that could be on the App Store. Um, have you guys played with OneNote for the Mac any? I know, Federico, I think you were talking a little bit about it on uh, Mac Stories. Yeah, uh, I would like to because I'm interested because uh, I, I primarily I want to see how to do like the the free form not taking stuff that you can like type anywhere in a document. So are you guys familiar with the with the Mac app from the I, I believe it's the authors of Scrivener uh, what's the name? Uh, Scapple. Oh. The name of the app for the Mac. It's like an an outlining application. But unlike other uh, yeah, it's a scaple for Mac OS X and Windows. And unlike other outlining or mind mapping apps, you can just type anywhere and drag and drop images. So OneNote is kind of like that, but it syncs to apps for iPhone and iPad and Windows if you're into that. And um, Their iPhone and iPad apps need some work. Yeah, they because do. they they, they, they haven't do. been updated for iOS seven. So I I saw the 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 post from Justin Williams, and that's the one that I, that I linked on Mac Stories. And he's overall positive about OneNote because uh, he really likes the fact that you can type anywhere. That you know the the Microsoft Sync seems pretty solid, and uh, he doesn't like like all the uh, artifacts that you get in Evernote for text and. The applications can be confusing, you know, Evernote for, for Mac and Evernote for iOS. And it doesn't like the API for Evernote, which I can confirm because uh, having played with the Evernote API in Python and after talking to a bunch of developers, uh, the consensus seems to be that the Evernote a- API, especially for iOS, is kind of painful to work with. So I, I want to try OneNote. I don't think I'm going to switch from Evernote. Just, you know, professionally curious to, to try OneNote. Yeah, I was I kind of downloaded some of the apps but didn't really bother going into it too much because I, I just didn't like the way the iOS apps looked. And that is kind of a thing. You know, I like my apps to look nice, especially if I'm going to be using them a lot. Um, so I'll, I'll maybe drop back in again at a later date, maybe in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I expect there to be some serious updates to the Office suite, as everybody does, because uh, there's the uh, event, I think it's next week, um, it it is office. it is kind of strange that, and I saw a tweet from my friend uh, Sean Kurtzdorfer. He he tweeted about the fact that when Apple released free apps, everybody was you know cheering for Apple and everybody was happy. Oh look, Apple is giving us free apps. Another Microsoft has put out a free app on the Mac App Store. There's a lot of uh, at least I've seen a lot of skepticism on Twitter. Why does Microsoft make free? stuff but for the same reason that apple does 
I mean, especially when, when your competition is Evernote, which, which yeah. has a free version. It will be rolled in, I reckon, as part of the Office Suite anyway, but it will still be free. That kind of make, I, I think that kind of makes sense. Maybe I'll do additional features. You can do some, you can pay for some stuff, right? I think you pay for it on Windows. Guys, guys, I have to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. We just talked about the curse of the prompt. Oh, oh what's no. happened? I just got a tweet. Uh, user def def six six six. Oh wow! He's saying, well, yeah, uh, just got my first soft reboot while using the task switcher in iOS seven point one. No, it's happening. Wow. Sorry, def def six six six. Mike, that's what not, are you doing? No way, that's a real account. No, no, no that's a real account. That was that, me. That, no, they only huh. follow one person. Oh, they only have one follower, and it started. I oh, know it's old. Not everyone is internet I mean, famous like you. <clears throat> Federico's the internet famous one. Def 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 six six six. Def Def. That sounds like a heavy metal band. It probably is. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, you know, one note. Uh, I may agree with you, Federico. Like it's it is a nice app, and some of the the freeform stuff is sort of more liberating than Evernote, but if they if Microsoft wants to give Evernote a run for its money, they've got you know they've got a ways to go. But I'm, at least on the Mac side of things, I'm excited for the competition. I mean, Evernote really runs that space, and so you know maybe Microsoft can push them around a little bit. That that can't hurt anyone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mike, what do you think? Though now it's the time to. Talk about something awesome. I think I would love to. And do you know what I want to talk about, Federico? I have an idea. Well, please say it. I want to talk about lynda.com. Yeah. Do you want to know why? Because they have over 2,000 high-quality and engaging video courses that are taught by industry experts with new courses added every single day. Lynda helps anyone learn creative software and business skills to achieve personal and professional goals whenever and wherever you want. Their wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced make it easy to learn something new no matter what level you may be. Lynda.com makes it easy. It's a breeze to learn. You can learn on the go. You can use your mobile device for that, your tablet, or you can learn at home on your computer because they make sure that their site is available on all of these devices and all of the videos and content are available for you there as well. Each course at lynda.com is structured so you can learn from start to finish or just jump on in and find a quick answer to a question. So maybe you've watched a course in the past and you're like, oh, what was that bit that they were saying about blah, 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 blah. So you can jump in, you can search for the transcripts, you can find that piece, watch it again, refresh your memory. It's really cool. And I mentioned those transcripts. They're fully searchable so you can quickly find information within a course but they also have closed caption transcripts so you can follow along with the video as well so it's not just transcripts they can put them up on the screen and they scroll through it's really really cool to watch i want to make you know i want to make this very clear the videos over at linda are not like these homemade how-tos that you'll find on youtube that have low budgets and it's just a guy talking into his macbook mic and he's like screen capping garage band these lynda.com videos, they have high-quality video production from state-of-the-art studios. They include animations and diagrams to make sure you really understand what you're learning. The instructors are accomplished professionals at the top of their fields of a true passion for teaching. And some courses, when necessary, even have downloadable stuff so you can tinker along and, and try out the projects that they have. Like I've been playing around with some of the compressor stuff and some things in Logic. And they have Logic files that you can download and open so you can do the things that they're doing so you can kind of, you know, play along with them and make sure that you're doing, you, you can kind of get a good, I personally learn 
through doing. So I really like that I'm able to follow along with the videos. Lynda.com has only one low monthly price of $25, which provides unlimited access to the entire course library. Lynda offers a variety of instruction courses for all levels that cover a wide range of technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies, and so much more. They've got courses on absolutely everything. If you want to learn about iOS development, maybe you want to learn about, um, maybe you want to put a friend or a family member through iPhone and iPad training. Well, they've got that there. They can even teach you Microsoft Office if that's the kind of thing you need. I know Excel can be quite difficult sometimes, but I've got some stuff on there if you need it. But it can also teach you the businessy stuff like um, networking skills, content marketing skills, management tips, negotiating techniques. They've got so much, like web development, game design, Federico. You can learn how to make a game on lynda.com. Here's the cool part. Lynda is giving you, listeners of the prompt, a special offer to access the entire library, all of that stuff, and so much more, for free for seven days. So go to lynda.com slash the prompt to try Lynda for free for seven days right now. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash the prompt. Thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting 5 by 5 and the prompt once again. So, guys. So, Mike. Android Wear. Now, this came didn't necessarily come out of nowhere, but I think that the announcement wasn't necessarily expected to, to come this soon and in this sort of breadth, because uh, at South by Southwest, uh, Sundar Pichai, who's the head of, I believe, Android, Chrome, and services over at Google, does Android and Chrome and, and that sort of stuff, um, he spoke about how they were going to be releasing an SDK for wearable devices. However, it's so much more than this. So Android Wear is this SDK, and they've got all this stuff available for developers now. But what they've basically done is also partner with a bunch of hardware manufacturers. Um, for, to start with, we've got Motorola and LG, who have shown off their first wearable devices, which are both watches. But also, Google are partnering with a bunch of other manufacturers, like HTC and Samsung, to look at creating these devices. There's some really cool videos out. Um, some of the stuff is there already, the SDK stuff's there already, so you can, if you're a developer, you can go in and tinker. They have support for circular watches, for square watches, and they've got a watch of each type out at the moment. The LG watch is a square watch. The Moto 360 watch is a circular watch. At the moment, basically everything that they're showing it's integrated with Google Now. So all the stuff that you'll see in Google Now, you'll get here. So that can be like flight stuff, boarding passes, flight times, sports scores, uh, directions. You can send texts. You can get notifications. You can get weather information. It's all presented really, really nicely. It has two methods of input. You have touch swiping to get a, a bunch of the features that you can swipe through your notifications and stuff. But any input to the device, like text input, is done by voice. I think yeah, that's a good overview of everything. Yeah, and I think... The, the voice part is where it sort of breaks down uh, for me. You know, the interface looks great, and I'm I'm personally, like, excited that they're doing some stuff with round displays. You don't see that very often. My understanding is on the technical level, that's actually fairly difficult to pull off well. But I don't really want to have to use my voice to interact with a piece of technology as its main interface. You know, Siri's great, and we're going to talk about Siri versus Google Now in a second, but I, you know, I work in an open office. I go to the library. I go to church. I, you know, might be, you know, mm. laying down with a sick kid. Like, I can't always talk to a device to make it work. Well, it depends what you're using it for, though. I mean, 
to say how are you going to do a Google search on this the... without your voice? Like, there's not a keyboard, is there? Uh, there wasn't one on the UI videos, I don't think. No, but it depends what you're using the device for. Like, it's going to give you information, and you can access some of that information and action upon some of it. You just can't do any entry. So in those instances, you might not be doing that stuff anyway, so it might not be an issue. So you can get um, the weather, you can see notifications that are coming in. Basically, it's everything that I have on the Pebble, right? It's that sort of idea. Like, But I can't do any entry of any kind. Yeah, I mean, well, that's not really... I mean, on the Pebble, you can interact it with the buttons, at least. Yeah, but this is replacing I mean, the buttons with a touchscreen. Yeah, I mean, do the buttons have... I mean, is there any app... I'm asking... Does the Pebble have any uh, functionality where the button becomes some sort of like keyboard? Or, like, is there any no. sort of typing or anything with those? Not that I've come for. And, come and to be honest, I there is no way in hell I would want to type on a watch. It's just I can't no, no, imagine would how it would be I mean, possible. That's why they didn't do it. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, the video and stuff and all the still shots look amazing. Like, it really makes the Pebble look. Yeah, they are really doctor, outdated. Though. Like. That that's in none of those videos, to my eyes, I think I can see this. To my eyes, none of those videos or images are showing the software running on those devices. Well, yeah, no, it's all I mean, After Effects, and so you know, I don't know how to feel about it. Even in the demo video, like the supposed live demo video from the product guy, it's not real, and that makes me feel a little bit like eh, they're not actually showing it running yet. And so I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it does this look is interesting. A big step. Like yeah. it's a big step above what we were talking about a month ago, where you know a lot of the this wearable stuff, the Pebble excluded, um, are really like very simple devices. Like they track fitness or they track you know number of steps and that sort of thing. Like this, even maybe more so than the Pebble, brings a computer, a very limited computer, maybe even a very limited mobile computer to your wrist, and that's like that's really interesting. Um, I mean. Do you guys think this ha- this particular brand of this has a has a future? Um, no, I do. <laughs> yes, um, so can I can I go ahead? Yeah. So my thoughts on on this uh, haven't changed since since the the smartwatch uh, episode that we did, and um, so I believe that uh, the Google Android Wear stuff looks good to me as a as a tech geek. Because I, I think it's fun to have notifications on my wrist and to, to, to see whether Google or Motorola can pull this off. I don't think it's what we're seeing in the, in the Google promo videos shows enough uh, value for normal people to consider buying a smartwatch. Because everything it does is basically what a phone can already do only on a smaller screen on your wrist, which is inconvenient because you, you're forced to have a smaller display and you're forced to use voice. Uh, so I think it's, from a technical point of view, cool and interesting to see as it evolves and as it becomes a finished product. I don't think... I think it's missing the point. I but think that, it's missing that criticism the point of- would be true of something that... Apple could do too. Like yes. I think that's not an yes, Android Wear specific problem. I think I think that you're thinking about it in the wrong way, Federico. 
Um, basically, why, why would you want to? Why would you want to buy an additional device that does notifications and directions when you already have a already have a phone in your pocket that does the same things on a bigger screen? What these devices do is they take some core functionality and distill them down. So if you look at like the video, right, you see things like you're getting information about your flight changes. Um, if like there's a, it, this is stuff that Google Now does, right? So if you look at Google Now, you say say you're going to a flight, right? They show this example. You could have something which pops up to remind you that it's there, that your flight the flight is later on in the day, right? It vibrates on your wrist. But you check that's, it's there. That's but the thing not is, dramatical and new. But that, that's, that's not, not new at all. I'm not finished. I've got a whole like I'm running through this okay. person's day, right? So the, then there's a change to the flight time. Well, it pops up on their wrist and tells them, so they know that. Right, fine. You can then say like the phone. It knows where you are, right? You're in the airport. It knows you're in the airport. It knows what terminal you've got to go to. It gives you directions to that terminal using Google's mapping of the inside of that airport. It knows that you want to pick up a copy of The Economist, right? Because you've got it in the to-do list. So it will pop up and say, when you're walking past the econo- like the store, like the, the, station, the, the magazine stand, grab a copy of The Economist. You do that, fine. You're going through. You're looking at the map. You then get to the gate. You're able to show them a QR code on your wrist, which they can scan. Yes, you can do all of this on the phone. But the idea of having to go to get your phone out of your pocket, you unlock your phone. You do what it, it's that access of keep doing that over and over again it's not difficult to do but having something on your watch like this i believe adds convenience they become companion devices and then not to replace the phone the phone can of course do all of this but it's slower and longer to do all of it and to say that oh you know but it takes so long to do these things we always want these things to be faster we want faster faster information all the time that's how we consume on these devices like I don't want my phone to be as slow as it was. I want apps that do things quick. I want 4G. I want LTE. I want it all to be fast. This adds that sort of speed and the convenience. And it will, and as I say, like it distills the, the functionality down to a very limited feature set, which allows you to, to use this stuff in a specific way. It doesn't allow you to do everything that your phone does because that would be a mess. If you look at Google Now, which they're using, that Google Now is all of this stuff. It's taking things that Google knows about you and and the things that you give to Google, what you let it do, and it distills them down to a certain subset of features which allow you to be more informed about the stuff that's happening in your digital life. I'm not I'm not saying that Google Now isn't amazing because I think it is. I just I'm just saying that in my opinion, what what I'm seeing in Android Wear is that it. The devices that they are showing don't take so much advantage of the fact that they are computers on your wrist. They don't seem to have any sensor that knows about your body. It's just a smaller screen with a with a smaller, simpler interface. Version just... one, Federico. These are version one. Like yeah, but but you can normally you see already the vision of a company in version one of something you could see the vision of the ipad in version one you could see the vision of the iphone in version but one. i feel this like i the, can see this that is just a smaller these. screen on your wrist it, it doesn't have any sensors i it feel like i can see the vision of what's this the vision stuff? just showing up notifications uh, smaller display it, it just seems like a reactionary move to the pebble and and other smartwatches without necessarily thinking about the potential for putting a device on your body, on your skin. I really... You are putting into words for me right now (laughs) a problem that I have, and I'm not saying you're being like this, although I think you are a little bit, is this idea is it's not Apple, right? Because Apple will throw a sensor in there, like a health tracker, and then it will be like Kingdom Come. And I don't feel like that is going to... I don't see why adding something like 
a heart rate monitor is really going to add that much because I actually don't think people care on the no, whole I, I, about their I heart rate. I agree with you. I actually agree with you. Okay, I'm just good. saying that if it, and and this is in fact one of the points that I wanted to make in in another topic in this show. And I I believe that people just are not like checking the the vital stats about the body all day long. I believe that's kind of boring for some people, <laughs> for a lot of people, actually. I'm just saying that if you're putting a device on your wrist or on your finger, I don't know where, a necklace, a ring, I have no idea. If you're using your body as a placement for a computer, you should be taking advantage of that placement, not just as something like a to-do list or mapping directions, because my phone can already do that. I think it I, is. A, it is. This is definitely a personal thing. Like that scenario that I gave, you clearly and for whatever reason, you don't see the the benefit to what I gave. But me personally, that is a dream scenario, and I don't know if it's necessarily about the way people use the devices differently. I think that that will be a key purchasing factor for wearable computing. Some people just don't use their devices in the way that I explained or won't want to or or don't see a convenience that other people see. And I do think that that will be a divisive thing for these types of, of devices for quite a while. And, and I honestly do believe that it will come to Apple launching something like this a bunch of people will buy it that won't want it and won't need it, and they won't realize that until afterwards because they won't see a use in it. But someone yeah. like me will. Like, I'm seeing this. I'm like, if Apple do not do something to match Google, and I have a little bit more to say about Google now and Siri in a minute, then I will consider Android again in a serious way because this device, if this device will... All I need is battery life from it. Give me three or four days mm-hmm. battery life on this. And this, honestly, Federico, to me, is something that really, really would work in my life. Like, and it's, I find it so peculiar that you don't see this as somebody like yeah, me who lives I, on their I, iPhone so much. I think I see the point. I think I see where we disagree. You're saying that you absolutely love the convenience of like easier access to information on your wrist so you don't have to take your phone out of your pocket. It just works and it's a simpler interface. It's easy to operate. You only have to glance at, at, the, at the watch, right? Mm-hmm. You're saying that you love this convenience. I do. And, this, uh, and with Google Now and, you know, I, I get it, right? Uh, whereas from my point of view, um, uh, I have this, uh, this idea uh, and that if you're about to release a product that goes on your body more than the way you hold the phone, right? Or more than you hold the tablet. I'm saying something that you wear. I think you should be, you should be explore concepts like uh, user presence. Like where is the user contextually to other devices in his life? Is the user, uh, and we're seeing this kind of, this kind of, idea with the with the iPhone 5s and the M7 chip is the user walking is the user running is the user stationary uh, I, I would like to see more uh, a vision right a vision of of, a, of an accessory that knows about you not just the things you have to do or the time that you have to be somewhere or the appointments that you have but the th- the, the stuff about you and maybe Maybe, you know, blood statistics and, and respiratory rate, that's going to be an aspect of, Apple, of Apple's idea. 
I, I, I would like to see someone like Google, somebody like Apple, I, I don't know, somebody explore this field or, of stuff like, is the user looking at the same direction that another user is looking at, uh, like at a concert? Like, can you imagine if... I, I, I'm thinking out loud, basically, and, and I would like to see a focus on, on understanding more about the user, not just putting information on a smaller screen, which I can see why is convenient. I, I believe it's just missing a huge opportunity. Yeah, and I think to Mike's point about it being a version one, a, a critical difference between the iOS and Android ecosystem, or even you could scale it up between Apple and Google, is that Apple will iterate on products, but a lot of that stuff happens behind closed doors. If, if for instance, Apple is going to do something like Android Wear, but smash Fitbit into it, that could do all this stuff, and that's what the rumors are saying. Apple's going to smash that stuff together in the lab and release something in the public that does all of that. I have no doubt that Android Wear would... Uh, at some point, do more fitness stuff than it does now. But the way that Google works and the way that the Android ecosystem works is that that's going to be in the public view. And so, yes, version one might... And we don't know. I mean, Android Wear could be doing a lot more fitness stuff than it seems like today. But if it's not there and they do add it, that will be a much more public change to the platform than what you would normally see out of Cupertino. Uh, does that does that make sense? Mm. I'm not sure I understand. Like, sorry. Like, like if app. So, if the goal, if Federica's goal is to have a smartwatch that does smartwatchy things and does a lot of fitness stuff, mm-hmm. that's simplifying his argument. I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, set. Apple will do that on day one, where Google is more likely to do that on you know year two or year three because Google will release a product that is simpler. Right. Uh, or or is not doesn't do as many things, uh, and they will do that like like Google Glass, right? Like the first round of Google Glass did basically nothing, and over the yeah, course of a year, more, in the public view, yes, yeah, yeah. they iterate, yeah. they iterate more. They're more likely to put something out before it's fully flushed. Yes, or maybe they're just waiting to see what Apple does. Maybe they are. And in the in the meantime, they're just releasing a platform that's a normal smartwatch, and then whatever Apple does next, they're going to. Iterate. I mean, there is a massive difference as well, like you say. Like these devices aren't coming till Q2, and they put it out in the public space today, and it, and it's because Google aren't making one themselves. You know, Apple will obviously only make their own, but they will put the SDK out when they release the product. Or right, should, like it's, very, it's a much, much it's a more sooner. unified, yeah, like complete thing where Google does betas, like Google does beta hardware even. And so I, I think that I mean, Federico, I agree more in line with you, just notifications and just weather stuff. And that's all really powerful, Mike. Like, I'm not discounting your argument, but I side more with Federico. Right? I want it to do even more. Mm. And I while think I think... well, I think too much from a 1.0. That's my concern. Well, yeah, and that's Apple. I mean, that's... But that's like the... Cla- that is the classic problem in hardware and software. Like, that's why apps take forever and people announce them and they never meet deadlines because that's always like what is a 1.0 and apple will get further down the road before they release a 1.0 than google will normally so can i talk about google now and siri and where i see apple's problem being please 
So a lot of the stuff that I think is really useful, all the stuff that I've, I spoke about was being quite useful, comes from Google Now, right? Um, and my fear is that Apple do not have strong enough services to complement a device like this. So when I talk about a lot of the convenient stuff like knowing your flights, um, knowing your packages, knowing a lot about your location, having all this map information and stuff like that, this is really strong because Google's Google's knowledge of all this stuff is really strong. The information they have about you is there. They use it. I mean, it's it's something that you choose to do when you use Google services. We spoke about this in the past. So a user who has their flight information being delivered to their Gmail account, their package information delivered to their Gmail account, uses Google to search for their favorite sports teams, all that sort of stuff. The more you use Google, the more you get out of Google now. But it's there, right? So you can choose to use it or not, and it's there, and you can have that. Siri doesn't have this because Apple don't take this information. Obviously, everyone listening to this show to a point is going to be like, yeah, we love that they don't. But Apple do not have like this wealth of information about you that they can call upon to give contextual stuff to, to your location. At least they're not like publicly taking it. They're not seem to be doing anything with it. I'm concerned that Apple's own like first-party services that they would have for a device like this wouldn't be strong enough. And they would have to rely a lot heavier on third parties. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a massive difference. And I feel that that could be a, a, a differentiator. Like, they don't have your email. They don't know when your flight is. They can't give you your flight boarding pass. Like, Google bought a company that does flight tracking, so it can do this sort of stuff for you. It has transit stuff. Apple doesn't even have, at the moment, transit directions in the Apple Maps, Right. That's a big problem. I can't use the Apple Watch with the Apple Maps that will be integrated, if you're looking at the current version, to find out when the train's coming. I have to use a third party for it. And if there aren't third parties, then it will hinder the the, the way that I will be able to inter- work with the iWatch. Additionally, Apple's voice capabilities for Siri are nowhere near as good as Google's. And, if, and I see the input methods for these devices to be both of those things. It will be touchscreen and voice. So it'll be touchscreen and Siri. That's how the Apple Watch will work. And currently, their stuff isn't as reliable. And I think that if you have to rely on, if you had to rely on Siri as the only method of input, I think that you would not be too happy about that. And Google Now is totally different. It is much stronger. People say this, right? If you use the Google app that has Google Now on it on your iPhone, it's better than Siri. Federico, you agree with that, right? I'm sure I've heard you say it before. And yeah, I think it's much, much better than, than Siri, especially for simple things like web searches. Yeah. Uh, especially the fact that uh, in the Google app, you can see basically the, the, the things you're, you're, when you're speaking, you can see the, the text on the screen in almost real time in Siri instead. In Siri, the, it's basically a continuous waiting time. You know, mm-hmm. because I I feel like I'm I'm always talking to Siri and then waiting and waiting. Yeah, and maybe it's because I'm in Italy. Maybe it's because we have slow connections to uh, whatever it is that Siri lives in the cloud. I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, even even saying things like and I do this every day, call mom, right? I do this every time, and I have to wait five seconds. I mean, come on, why do I have to? I, I would like to see. I know that's because Siri every time wants to connect to the internet to analyze my voice and whatever. Uh, I, I think that maybe for simple commands, just call mom or text girlfriend, uh, stuff that you do every day, they should find a way to speed up those common 
commands that you ask Siri. Because right now, Google now is embarrassingly faster than Siri. So I'm clearly interested about this sort of stuff. And I'm excited that it seems to be hotting up now. You know, Google have, yeah. uh, Google have taken the first shot publicly with this. I'm really, really interested to see what Apple do. I would love Apple's device to be better and more powerful and have more sensors in it. I'd love it to have all of that stuff. I'm just not convinced right now. Just because I think you it, know, it seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Because you've got to remember that battery life, man. The more you put in it, yeah. the worse that battery life's going to be. And that's going to be yeah. a massive problem with these things. Yeah, if it's not going to happen, if the first version of the iWatch or i whatever i wrist, I don't know, if the first version is just display notifications on a smaller display, I think Apple is going to have a problem with that device because I don't think that most people see it. I mean, it's cool and everything. It's a cool gadget. It's not the, oh my God, I must have it gadget, in my opinion. Just because you don't see people with pebbles around every day. Just for the same reason. Maybe Pebble is not Apple, but it's got a lot of coverage. And I and I don't think it's... If Apple is going to do just the watch thing with notifications, it's going to be a problem. Did I mention before that there was a guy at work who had a Pebble? I think I might have spoken about that when when we first... Yeah, but that's the... the no, 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 no. Right? It was, I, I'm not saying this is a point that there's people everywhere. I was just going to say, like, he spotted that I'm wearing a Pebble now, and now we're like Pebble uh-huh. friends. Just wanted to point uh, that you out. You guys like uh, going away for the weekend to like send notifications <laughs> yeah. to each other? Yeah, we just sync. We just sync. Well, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to swap watches. You know? Oh yeah. Get so he gets all of our terrible group me chats all day. Uh huh. That's what uh, that's, could go wrong with that. It's like wow. the you know it's the future of like the key swapping type scenario. It's like pebble swapping. Yeah. I, well, I'm uh, going to move. I think we need to move on because I don't know where I'm please. going with this. No, and I th- I think obviously this is going to be a big topic, and if you believe what you're going to the internet, there's going to be lots more of this coming. Th- you know, at some point in the future. So let's uh, let's let's put a bookmark here and, and move on. Let's take a moment to thank our second sponsor for this week's episode of the prompt, and that is the fine folks over at Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website for a free trial and ten percent off. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code tallyho three. Squarespace is constantly making changes and updates to their platform. They're always adding new features. They're making sure that they have new designs all the time. They're updating their designs to make them look even more fantastic. And they have even more greater, more awesome support. So it's not just the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. They also focus on making it fast, simple, and beautiful too. The templates that they let you start with over at Squarespace are fantastic. They have tons of style options that you can adjust so you can really create your own space online. And you go, you will go to Squarespace websites all the time and you'll have no idea that it's like a Squarespace site because they look fresh, they look new, they look current. They don't have this feeling like they've come from a, you know, I say theme garden or like some sort of theme store somewhere. They just look great. And I come across websites a bunch. It actually happened to me whilst recording Another show I took with the Pen Addict yesterday, we went to a website and it was a Squarespace site and I had no idea, but I really liked the way it looked. So there you go, it happens. It happens every day. Everything over at Squarespace is drag and drop. So it's really easy to add content from your desktop, rearrange p- things around the page, and it's all as you see in the web browser. So you can see exactly how things are going to look before you push them live to your site. Squarespace makes sure that your website is going to look absolutely fantastic on any device because they all, all 
Squarespace designs come with their own unique mobile design as well. You can easily connect a bunch of your favorite web and social services to bring content in and push content out. And Squarespace also has their e-commerce platform, Squarespace Commerce, that allows you to set up a shop and sell things online in just a few minutes. Squarespace has over 70 dedicated employees in their customer care team. They're all based in New York City, and they are there 24 hours a day if you need any help. They're super awesome. They have live chat during the week, and they have super fast email support throughout the day and night. They're active on Twitter too. Squarespace is easy to use, but they are there if you need them at all. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. There's no credit card needed to do this. You just go over to squarespace.com, sign up for a free trial. If you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. It's really the full package. Make sure that you get 10% off and support this show by using the offer code TallyHo3. That lets Squarespace know that we sent you and it keeps us doing this show every week. Thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and the world's greatest podcast. So guys, uh, I wanted to talk real quickly about an, a new app that came out yesterday on the App Store. And it's uh, Checkmark version 2. You guys familiar with the app? Uh, I remember version 1. And yeah, I it's, uh, it version two. yeah, so it's a, it's a new separate version of the original application, which is um, an alternative to Apple's uh, reminders. Now that we're talking about uh, notifications and to-do lists and, and, and you know, location-aware uh, technologies, Checkmark is able to set up Reminders for locations, just like just like Apple's uh, solution can. But unlike the Reminders API, Checkmark 2 can... Uh, a really cool feature that I, that I saw when I was testing the app um, is the fact that you can basically cre- create location groups and assign multiple locations to a group. So, for instance, you can create a shopping group and into the shopping group, you, you put something like the grocery store or the bookstore or the hardware store. And then every time you want to go shopping, you get a, a location uh, sound and, 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 and a notification when you're near one of those locations in the group. So this is stuff that Apple Apple's API cannot do, which is the reason why Checkmark does not integrate in any way with reminders. And the rest of the app, the new app for iOS 7, and it's a really polished and it's a nice app, fast. It's easy to use. It's got this sidebar where you can switch from location reminders to time-based reminders. You can also make uh, lists and organize them in projects. So it's really uh, meant to be a full alternative to, to the reminders app. It's only for the iPhone, which is... Uh, it's one of one of my problems with the app. It's only for the iPhone. There's no iPad version, and uh, it doesn't use the Reminders API, which, on the one hand, is a is a convenience because you get all these cool new features like location groups. But on the other hand, if you're like me and you like to use Fantastical or other uh, Reminders uh, clients, uh, you cannot get the checkmark Reminders into apps like Fantastical or. Um, for instance, what's the name of the other app? Um, mm. uh, the old app that was called uh, This Week. It's got a new name. Oh, uh, and I, it's on your home screen right now, isn't it? It's um, it's even on my home screen. <laughs> it's right like it's right your now, iPhone. So. 
I gotta look at the name. Hang uh, on, I'm, I'm gonna do this. Good task. I got a good task. Yeah. So, so much that's faster. endorsement from the world's greatest podcast. I was able you, to Google faster than Federico could open his phone. I just want to say that. Yeah. Just uh, that's because I was doing. You know, I was touching my computer, so my hands were busy. What? And um, so you cannot get the reminders <laughs> from Checkmark into into Fantastic Hour. Good task. And the other major problem for me. So I believe that's only a problem for me, not for everybody else. In my area, Viterbo and Rome, the, the, the Apple Maps data, which Checkmark uses to fire, to fire off notifications, is really bad. So the app cannot find point of interest for me. Every time uh, I set up, an, uh, you can set up geofences. So I tend to set up like 100 meters, which I don't know what corresponds to in, in American uh, feet about or yards. eight inches. No, Four 100 miles. meters, it's, it's 100 yards. Six days. No, that's millions of a dollars. A no, that's a, so it's, it's a bunch of, it's, it's a little distance, <laughs> right? Let's say they're just a little distance. Every time I get a notification like at the wrong time or at the wrong point, I cannot find addresses. So this is, I believe this is just a problem for my area it because is. Apple is, is trolling me. Yeah. So my recommendation is, if you don't mind having reminders, not into the Reminders app, but into a single iPhone app, which is really nice and which does some amazing things with location, especially location groups. Again, I believe they are an amazing idea. Apple should, I mean, this... Sounds bad, but Apple should do something like this because it's, it just makes sense. If you want to try it out, uh, just go check it out on the App Store. I believe it, there's a, a launch price, a special offer. Uh, Mike, can, if you can check, that would be great. And, um, it's 50% off. Awesome, uh, which would be $2 right now. Um, it's a, it's a very small. It's price. an amount so, of money, Federico. Yeah, it's a it's a small amount of money. Which you exchange for uh, goods and services. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you want to check it out, just keep in mind that it's just an iPhone app, no iCloud. In my 299. experience, two ninety nine at the moment, everyone two ninety nine. That's right. In my experience, the Apple Maps data was bad for my location. I believe it's going to be just fine for yours. Go check it out because it does some good actually great things with location that Apple doesn't do. So go check it out. Believe it or not, I have a few things to say. So <laughs> uh, the first one is I tried to download Good Task because that looks super awesome. And I downloaded it, paid for it, um, and then it started downloading, disappeared from my iPhone. Now I go back to the App Store. It tells me I can open it, and but it's not on my phone. So oh yeah, that's one of the iOS seven bugs. I get great, that great all the 7. time. Great seven point one bug here, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Super so awesome. that's happening to everyone right now, according right, to the so curse of the prompt. I will now turn off my phone and see what happens. Um, we'll you should restore it. So I tried out check checkmark two because <laughs> I thought that this could be a re this could actually be a replacement for OmniFocus. I mean, I saw the video and was like, this does everything that I want. It seems to do it really nice. I love the location stuff, the group in, and all that. Looks really cool. But I have some problems, and they're different to Federico's problems. I don't have the problems that Federico's having with location and stuff. I've been playing around with it, and all that sort of stuff works. Like, and it finds what I need. I. I I'm sorry, Federico, but I think that there's a problem with the turbo. What you do live in London? Yeah, so. So that's why I, mean. I it's, it's a totally different scenario. I live in one of the, the world's biggest cities and uh, world's greatest cities. I think it's 
sometimes known as easy easy with that so my my issue <laughs> comes from adding tasks takes like seven times as long than doing them in OmniFocus. OmniFocus, one of my favorite things about um, OmniFocus is um, I'm able to open it, throw tasks in really quickly. I can deal with them later if I want to categorize them or not, but if I don't want to, I don't want to. It's really easy to get that stuff in there. If I open um, Checkmark and I want to add a location-based task, I have to make sure that I select the where part. Like I can't add a location-based task from the when part. Like, that just seems really weird to me that while you're entering a task, you're not able to change what type of task you want to enter. Yeah, just, I think yes. Sean, yeah. Sean Block complained about that in his review, I think. Like, it just seems really weird. Like, just let me do it. Or why can't I combine them? Like, it just seems strange. Like, you should make a feature request, Mike. I should make a feature request. I've just made one. It's on the show. They can find it. Um, it also <laughs> takes a lot of taps to get to anything. So, like, I had a location-based reminder. but I was testing it out when I got home, see what happened. And um, I had to go into so it was I, the location thing came up. I didn't open it from the notification. I went in afterwards to do it. So I had to go to the side pane. I had to tap the where tab. Then I had to tap my home location, and it brought up the task list that I had, and then I could check it off. I just there's too many taps. It's it's too slow for me to get in and do the things that I want. And this is the type of app where speed is important to me because. If I have an idea, I want to just get it into my phone as quick as possible so I don't lose it. Um, and that's what... So for me, OmniFocus allows me to do that still. So it's a shame because I sometimes feel like OmniFocus is overpowered, but the things that it does for me, like it does them perfectly. I just really liked the location stuff and all the groupings and things like that. That just looked really cool to me and I liked it in the original check mark, and it seems even better here. But just some of the basic stuff seems to be too slow for me. I, I still find it strange, Mike, that you're using OmniFocus because I it doesn't fit you, with me, does it? It doesn't fit yeah, with me. Yeah. I, I mean, are you doing projects? Are you doing like sometimes, man, sometimes. manager stuff? Hey, I'm a yeah, busy guy, yeah. Federico Vitici. I have two jobs. Yeah, I'm busy you too. Know? <laughs> I'm going to have to separate the two of you guys. No. <laughs> See, because we, we, we get all of our nice feelings out on our other show. Oh. Yeah. And now this is just where the anger is. So I just get the leftovers. Because we share so much love on Directional that. All that's left is just anger. Um. So I, think I, can, I, can, I can feel I can feel Stephen is kind of upset with us. Yeah. No. Stephen, no. I mean, I wonder if know, he's listening. It, it, to this this week's would not be the first explain. time that America's had to step in and resolve a European conflict. Oh. So, wow. Thanks so much for listening to, to the prompt. It was really nice that we did this show. And uh, if you want to find more from me and Federico. <laughs> Come on. Uh, we want to touch on some iOS 8 uh, rumors that have been floating around. And we've got uh, three links. Uh, two of them are from uh, Mark Gurman over at 9to5Mac. Kind of a two-part story. Um, one of them is talking about HealthBook, which is the rumored sort of fitness app or hub on the, uh, the the new version of iOS. Again, fits into everything that we talked about earlier. Um, I think it's really interesting, but the thing we really want to talk about today is there's a screenshot leaked of uh, some icons, including uh, text edit and preview, uh, which, of course, are... Uh, what, are we seriously talking about that? No, I, no I'm, I'm, I want to, but I just... 
It's just so strange that those names and what those icons. Are, I'm sure the icons. icons. I, I, I will bet you a thousand dollars is icons replaceholders. You guys um, use text a lot, right? Yes. Can you what explain to me why text edit is needed and why it's amazing to have on the iPhone? Because people are like, "Yay, text edit!" I don't I, understand. I I'm, just don't get it. Uh, text edit is actually uh, it's actually pretty decent and it does rich text, which is really nice. Um, if you're, yeah. I'm not into that, but are there no are. rich text apps on the App Store? I mean, like I, I don't get it. I don't understand. For, I mean, for what? most people, including myself, I'm sure I'll end up in that folder with the other Apple apps I never use. But it's interesting that they're doing this, and we're going to get to why it's interesting before you started laughing at me when I was talking. It's very <laughs> harsh. Um, <laughs> and I'm laughing at you. The icons have to be placeholder. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're so bad. Um, and so we have a, a link. All that was sort of leading up to this link. Um, that uh, I think Federico found um, a guy named uh, Matt Birchler, Birchler on birchtree.me, uh, which is a great website name, um, talking about how it could be really interesting if Preview sort of becomes a hub for documents on iOS. Yeah. Um, so by default, so you buy a new Mac. So Federico, you order your new uh MacBook Air, Mike orders his Mac Pro. By default, OS X will open all images and PDFs in Preview. And it's actually a... I mean, I've got Photoshop and Pixelmator and all sorts of crazy stuff on my machine, and I still leave Preview as the default because it's super fast, super lightweight, does a really good job. And th- this this article by Matt sort of argues that, you know... Right now, if 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 I email a PDF to to one of you guys, you can hit the open in menu, and it's going to be different for everybody. Some people there might not be anything to open a PDF in if they don't have any third party apps installed. Other people, you know, it's a, it's a very disjointed experience, and maybe Preview on iOS could solve some of that. I mean, is that is that a fair representation of his argument? If you think I just, about, I just, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I was, you know, like some of the stuff we were talking about last week, like a universal uh, document picker, right? So imagine you yeah. have something that allows you to, in one app, like you're in Tweetbot and you want to grab the image from iPhoto, where you open it and you go into the photos and you can see all the photos that you have on your phone. That type of scenario, like this, the storage is kind of more centralized. It would make sense to you to have an app like Preview, like you're saying here, to allow you to go in and do that without needing to be in an app. You know, I think that that's, I think that definitely makes sense. I don't think they'll call it preview though. I think they need to give it a different name, but preview would be strange. Well, actually, no, it wouldn't be, would it? Depends how you look at it. I want to be able to add annotations to images on iOS because on on OS X, I really like preview. You can add like arrows and text to images. And on iOS, I'm using Sketch by Evernote, but I'm wondering if maybe Apple could bring the kind of experience to annotate images and PDFs on 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 especially on on the iPad because it's really lacking. I mean, can can you can you imagine that you have to get iBooks from the App Store to just have a decent PDF reading experience whereas Apple could just maybe build preview onto onto the, the system by default. Yeah, yeah, and I, I sort of view it, I mean, obviously, if something like this is true, it would be iCloud powered. So if I have a PDF in iCloud in preview 
on the Mac that's available to me on my iOS devices. Um, and that's really, I think, really powerful. And I think it's a, a good step in the right direction. I mean, PDFs and, and images are so critical to so many people's work. I mean, I, I, I don't know how many PDFs I deal with on a weekly basis, you know, contracts, all site maps, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and it would be great to be able to save those in preview on the Mac, pick in my iPad, and they'd be there. And iCloud document syncing does a pretty good job. But where it gets really interesting to me is when you start thinking about what Apple's done with iCloud and Mavericks and tags. And I don't want to like revisit the Mavericks topic, um, but there's a lot of powerful stuff going on with, with tagging in OS X now. And if Apple were to bring some more of that to iOS, maybe even in preview, you start getting those, that organizational structure within iCloud, within preview. And, and then preview goes just from a PDF viewer to, Mike, what you're talking about, where this is sort of a file. It's not a file system, but it's it's a way to organize some files. And with tagging, Apple could do that in their existing system. I mean, Apple is never going to put Finder on iOS, I don't think. You're not going to have folders and subfolders and aliases. But tagging is a really simple way to do that. And if they bring sort of all that together, I think it make the iPad... Um, for a lot of people, more useful in their day to day work. Like I think it, this could, you know, my other my crazy theory is probably not that crazy. Um, iCloud is enabled in both of these applications, right? In Preview and TextEdit, kind kind of seems a bit peculiar why you would enable it. I don't know Mac to Mac, but that seems odd. But yeah. you know, who knows? It could have been that these apps were both on the slate for iOS 7, but then the yeah. visual overhaul really changed things. And It's been there on, on the Mac since Lion, I believe. Preview, yeah. I said it both picked it up in 10.7, I believe. So, you know, it could have been that they just put them in then because the the Mac was getting them and they were going to put them into iOS later. It's, it would make sense, is, is what I'm saying. But yeah, Federico Health Book. Yeah, so, so from the same... Uh, actually multiple leaks from 9to5Mac, there's this uh, rumor that, that Apple is going to track vital signs from iPhone users, uh, I presume, who also were, according to 9to5Mac, a new device, maybe an iWatch, maybe another name. And there's going to be this application modeled after Passbook, which in this case would be called Healthbook. Which is a collection of of cards displaying sta- statistics about your uh, about your body and 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 about your uh, something like your blood, so oxygen, um, about your uh, calories and a bunch of stats and vital signs. And what I, what I, what I, the point that I want to make is that if Apple is going to take a major a major step into the fitness and health tracking uh, space. Um, That's great, I think, because especially if you enable people to keep track of their vital signs on a daily basis, and and if you enable customers to build an archive of of these uh, stats that is uh, certified by doctors and by uh, associations, by governments, if you, if you enable people to do that, that's great because th- that has long-term value. I just don't believe, and that's the point that I was making uh, a few minutes ago, I just don't think that it's going to be, or maybe that it shouldn't be, the only aspect of, an, of a new 
iWatch device from Apple because it's great to be able to to keep track of blood values, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, steps taken, calories burned, your weight, your respiratory rate, your heart rate, your blood pressure. That's awesome because it allows people to, you know, to stop using multiple devices or to go to the doctor. It allows people to build an archive of those numbers. But do people really care about checking those numbers all day long, every day? Or is it something that runs in the background that is awesome because you're wearing a new device that, that allows you to keep track of your uh, body stats? That That's great. But uh, I feel like there's more to it and that fitness tracking and health tracking is just an aspect. And I believe that overall we're... We're not seeing the big picture because we can't, because we don't know what Apple is working on. And maybe this stuff is the most obvious because there's already a market for fitness trackers and health trackers. We just don't know what's really next. Am I crazy? No, I, I just don't. I think, I think this stuff is as important to me as the notification stuff is to you. You know? I, I'm yeah. just not that excited by Apple being yeah. able to track my calories, my food, my oxygen level. It doesn't, you know, calorie tracking and pedometer. That's all I need and want. All of this other stuff that they've, you know, is potentially going to be in here, like blood pressure, what looks like fire activity. I don't know what that means. Nutrition, blood sugar levels, like sleep, respiratory rate, oxygen saturation, like my blood work. I, I don't get it. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, a, a lot I, of that, I, a lot of that I, does seem over the top. But if you think, I mean, I I look at that, especially the last couple of ones, and I think about like, you know, there there have been times like my son's been on an oxygen monitor, and like to be able to like do that at home without like paying, you know, ha- having some like medical device, and that's a bad example. Mm-hmm. It's actually yeah, you wouldn't to trust do. it though. Well, but it might be enough to be. I mean, that's, I'm not going to like walk into a, a hospital and be like, Apple iPhone said this, but <laughs> like simple monitoring, it could yeah. be enough. And I, I do think there is a growing population of people who want to have quantifiable data around their fitness and health. And, you know, the fitness, the Fitbit stuff, even there you see Fitbit adding things like calorie tracking. And, and, you know, before that might've been a separate app and now it's together and, uh, you look at an app like Lose It, and you can tie in your map my ride data. So if I ride, ride my bike for two hours, it figures out how many calories I burned and adds them in there. And you know, I don't know if Apple would solve all that. You know, every time Apple moves into a new space, you kind of think, well, that'll be fine for a lot of people, but you know, the hardcore people are still going to use something else, and that might be the case here. But it, it just seems like that obvious next step, and and what's really interesting to me, and I, I'm not making a statement here, I'm just observing tim cook is really well known for having like a pretty i mean a pretty hard like workout routine like he, he you talk about he talks about it in interviews and stuff he wakes up early goes to the gym he runs he rides his bike and so like you, you can kind of almost see some of that stuff being driven from like his leadership like if he mm. wants it and he thinks other people want it you know maybe that's a factor at play i hope that's not the reason they're doing it I, just because the ceo thinks i'm this just is saying a cool i'm idea. Just, I'm just saying it's interesting. I'm not saying that's what's going on. Yeah. We'll yeah, I, I mean, wh- when you're saying, Stephen, the, you know, the medical devices, I, I, I know just 
you know how boring it is to just go to the doctor because you gotta check the blood saturation or the oxygen level and uh, and to me the, i mean imagine a device like a tiny device that is able to capture those numbers those stats and and give them to you and and archive them digitally for like in in a single application that that sounds amazing and 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 i know because I, i've been into that kind of stuff and uh, i also think that not well likely for the world not everybody needs that no like you need to remember you too like i'm sure that you do that yeah. you have circumstances that make you feel differently about these things yeah like but, but even from my... never needed to know my blood saturation yeah even so even from my pers- perspective right i i can i know that most people don't know or don't care so i, I think there's two ways to look at this either uh, either this is just one aspect of apple's wearable strategy which is, in my opinion, the most obvious one, because there's already a market for this stuff. Or Apple is really on track to... They, they really believe they want to change humanity. They want to change people's consciousness about health tracking and fitness, and they believe that they have to take this path and completely change the way people think about health. So they want to make you interested in knowing every day. And I don't think that's the case. So I really I think, hope this isn't the thing. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be one of the features, yeah. like on the WWDC slides, one of the tentpole features. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope that's the case. Like that, this device that they're going to make part of it will be it does this stuff, not like we're making the health device. I don't, yeah. I don't know how, if I. There's would be going, excited there's going to be more, and we don't know. Just like we didn't know the phone, the iPod, and the internet communicator. The third part we didn't know. Now we know the health tracking, we know the fitness, we don't know what's... I believe there's a third bigger part and we don't know that. Question for you both. Straw and poll. So Apple is obviously going to be doing a wearable device. Yeah. When are we going to see it? This winter. Winter? So you're saying after WWDC? Yeah. So in between iOS 8 being announced and after the new iOS 8. Out. After iOS So between 8. iOS 8 coming out and the new phone coming out. Sorry, iOS yeah. 8 being announced and a new phone coming out, you, you think we're going to see something like this? Before Christmas. You think they wouldn't wait until iOS 8 was released for a thing like this in that case? No, uh, I think that's what two reasons. Uh, I mean, is that not what you're saying, that it would be the fall with iOS 8? I see two reasons. Um, you want to have iOS 8 first in, in, on right. devices. And uh, I don't think getting a wearable out in the summer when people go to the beach, when people, you know, there's a higher temperature, people sweating, I think that would be, that would make for a more tricky rollout. Just my, just my thinking. What about you, Stephen? I think that, I think that would be something that they would announce at WWDC, especially if there's SDK stuff involved. And maybe maybe they show the device. I think they probably would if there is one. And um, and it'd be released with iOS 8 and the new phone. Like re- The hardware would be released afterwards in the fall. But I think we're going to see and, and hear about this in San Francisco this summer. When Just out of interest, when do you both think that we'll see iPads? iPads? Yeah, new iPads. 
iPad mm. updates. Same as last year. When yeah, was historic, that? yeah, they've shifted. They've shifted that to the fall. So again, no new products till fall. I think that's going to be the new normal. Micah, uh, are you implying that there's going to be a product this summer? In your opinion, I just would find it really peculiar if they wait until fall to release everything again. Yeah, yeah, I know that's strange. Maybe the iPhone will come out first. This I, time. I mean, I just don't know if I think that's a sound business strategy to release all of your products within a few months window every year. I just don't no, think. I mean, and yeah. who am I to tell Apple what a sound business strategy is? But yeah. I know that over the last few years they've staggered it quite significantly. Oh, sorry, like in sorry, maybe the last ten years, but in the last year they're just releasing everything at the same time. I don't know if that works for for purchasing decisions. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on the customer. Because you have to now decide, do I want the new phone or the new iPad, rather than spacing it out over the year. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. And I think that if they want to keep on the, if they want to keep things looking good on the street, they can't hedge their bets all for one quarter every time. Look at me being an armchair analyst, everyone. Yeah, that's super fun. You you should have a blog, Mike. Uh, MikePinions.net. Do we want to talk about speaking of hardware? Do we want to talk about what Apple did this week? We sure do, but before we do that, we have our third and final sponsor for this week's episode, and that is the fine folks over at Fresh Books. This is the time for Fresh Books. It is tax time. If you're not using Fresh Books, your life is probably a mess right now. Tell me if this sounds right for you. You're currently hunting for receipts, digging through invoices, going through every record one by one. You don't want to do that. That's the worst. FreshBooks is the simple cloud accounting solution that makes tax time a breeze. With FreshBooks, you can create professional-looking invoices, capture and track expenses, and get real-time business reports with just a couple of clicks. Plus, you can work from anywhere with FreshBooks and their mobile apps for your phone and tablet. People are always saying we've had we have testimonials, and, and I know this from people that use FreshBooks as well as myself. That before using FreshBooks, all of this stuff was just a headache, and you had to sort of dig. As I mentioned, you dig in through things. You're trying, you know, you're, you're trawling through your folders in your Mac to find that spreadsheet that you filled out with your expenses and the invoices that you create in pages, and you don't want any of that. You want to use FreshBooks. You can do all. You can. You don't have any of the hassle. You don't have to mail things. You don't have to mail checks. You can get paid online instantly. You can know when people have opened your invoices. If they're using FreshBooks too, you can get all of that stuff tracking. You can see where they are in the system. It's so super simple. People can pay straight away as soon as they get the invoice for you. That sort of stuff is really powerful, especially if you own a small business. The sooner you start using FreshBooks, the sooner you can start focusing on the work that you love. Focus on your work not your paperwork with FreshBooks. For a limited time, you can try out FreshBooks for free for 60 days. To get started, visit getfreshbooks.com and enter the prompt in the How Did You Hear About Us section. This is a super special deal. It is an extended 60-day free trial. It's going to help you make your tax time a breeze. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for sponsoring the show. Remember, you want to add the prompt in the Where Did You Hear About Us section over at getfreshbooks.com. There you go. Uh, so earlier this week, um, Apple sort of realigned its iOS hardware lines. and um, let's start realigned. realigned. They just uh, poked them a little bit. So let's start with the, with the iPad. I think that's the simpler of the two. The iPad 2 is gone. They have resurrected the iPad 4 which has the A6X processor and the lightning connector um, in its place. And so that 
the iPad three, I mean, I think it's obvious why they skipped over the three. Uh, it was slower than the two in a lot of ways. It kind of sort of struggled with that rent display under certain conditions. And it had the 30 pin dot connector and Apple's trying to move everything to lightning. And they have now, except for the iPod classic. Um, but the iPad mini that's a five powered stayed around. And so the a five is still in play. Um, but if you want the non air iPad, you can pick up an iPad four and they're calling it iPad with Retina Display, which is the name of the iPad 3. It's all very so confusing. So stupid. Their names... Go to the store right now. You've got iPad Air, iPad Retina Display, iPad Mini Retina Display, iPad Mini. So it, it makes it, it look like the, the iPad Air and the iPad Mini, the original one, they look like the ones at the lower end. And then the, you've got I, the two iPad, that have got the Retina Displays. iPad Retina Display sounds better yeah. than iPad Air. Exactly. Because for the MacBooks, MacBook Air is less powerful than the MacBook Pro. And iPad it's Mini Retina weird. Display is the new one. I should call it iPad Air with Retina Display. I mean, it's not great, but at least it will... I don't know. <laughs> they should call it iPad Air better. Yeah. Best, <laughs> iPad. best iPad. <laughs> iPad parentheses, buy this one. This uh, iPad one best. <laughs> yeah, so you can get a cellular option. You know, it's it's fine. Like, you know, the, the, the thought was the iPad 2 stuck around for so long for the education market more than anything. I think that's probably true. Um, and so for those guys, it's a huge, you know, a huge bump. Um, and actually the timing, so we just talked about before the break about, uh, iOS hardware timing and what complaint people have about Apple releasing stuff in the fall is that schools like right now are doing their purchasing, uh, schools do purchasing the spring into the summer so they can deploy in the summer and be ready to go in the fall. And so this, if this really is sort of an education play and, you know, we can defer to people smarter than us on this, uh, like Bradley and Frazier over at the Out of School podcast. But um, I think that's a good move. I think I think swapping in the iPad 4 makes a lot of sense. Overall, thumbs up. The iPhone move, though, is is a, a little more interesting. And it, it, the change actually didn't happen in the U.S. It, it's, it's basically in Europe. So do one of you guys want to kind of talk us through that? Okay, so what we have now is this is in, I believe, Europe, Australia, New Zealand. Federico, I'm right in that, yeah? I think it's certain countries in Europe. Yeah. Not yeah. every part of Europe. So I think it's the UK, France, and... Germany? Germany, I'm going to say, or Spain. Uh, let me check. It's, it's confusing, basically. Yes. So what we have now is a 5C... We have an 8-gigabyte hard drive. It's starting in the UK, if you buy it, like, sort of, with, without a contract, at £429, which is only £40 cheaper than the 16-gigabyte model, which is, it doesn't make any sense, because you've got £469 for the 16, then 32 is uh, 549 so, so it's Germany, not Spain. Germany, not Spain. So the, the price differences are not massive between them. But what it is doing is allowing the networks in the UK to charge lower monthly costs. Because one of the problems we're having, and this is one of the reasons I believe this has come to Europe. In Europe, you could not get a free iPhone 5C on a standard monthly plan cost of like £25, £30 or something like that. It was difficult to get those deals. You still had to pay a bit of money to get the 5C. And I think this was not what Apple wanted when they released the 5C in these markets. They were hoping that this would be given away for free. The networks still are able to charge whatever they want. 
You could sometimes get a deal. You could pay a little bit more a month, but what they probably wanted was a lower price, so they were able to to get people in with a free iPhone. Yeah. So I go I go foul on that, Mike. I mean, all right, we, we are very feisty threesome today. Um, if Apple wanted the five C to be free in those markets, they would have adjusted their entire lineup to make that possible. Um, but by keeping the 4S around, right? Because the 5 went away. It's just the 4S, the 5C, and the 5S, right? Um, keeping that in play, like, kind of doesn't allow them to do that. The 5C took the spot that the 5 would have would have had. I, I don't. I think Apple has more control of that than you let on. So why'd they do it? Why they do this change? Yep. I think because the. Um, I think because well, I think it's my argument is weakened from what I just said that the four S is still around, um, but I think is that they are trying to people who would buy a, a cell phone contract and get a free iPhone four S, tempting them with a five C that is you know cheaper might bring them up the technology stack a little bit. Yeah, that was kind of well. My point is similar, but not not the same. Could you the way you say it, up the technology stack? I basically think that it will bring more people into a buying decision because they think they're getting the new phone. And it's you know the the five C is not the newest, but it's new. I mean, I know friends that are not massive on this sort of stuff that are considering a five C because it's cheaper and it looks cool and it's still a new iPhone. This is not widespread, and we can see that in Apple's the way how many they've sold. I think that this is a direct reaction to the fact that Apple have not sold as many as they wanted to on this. And I think one thing is pricing. And if they can try and get it to free or really cheap with a good plan in markets where this stuff is, what does fluctuate a lot more, which is in Europe, at least I know in Europe that's the case, that more so than in the States, then that would make sense. I mean, why is it only in Europe? I mean, to me, it's got to say something about the way that we do business in regards to mobile phone carriers. Because why else would would it why would it be here and not in America? That there hasn't been any word on that from Apple that I've come across. Um, I feel like there's just this thing that people want a new phone, so they go for the five C, and this way it allows networks. It puts networks in a position where they can have it at a cheaper rate if not free for a much lower or for a lower subsidy the lower you get it the more people are likely to do to to actually drop the money on it even if it's 10 20 pounds when it comes to a network like those differences there that that it ends up like cutting the price in half as opposed to when you go up and buy the, the full 429 pounds right I, I scoff at there being a 60 pound difference because it's a much smaller discount you get what i'm saying sure like a 20 Man, a 20 pound that's discount, a lot of a 20 pound discount on a 50 pound phone with the subsidy is worth a lot more than a 20 pound discount on a 429 pound phone that's a lot of numbers man i know it's a lot of numbers i apologize it's a lot, and it's it's also in a currency that a bunch of our listeners don't fully grow like ever can, can we just agree on the fact that that apple's storage options are bad yeah and this this seems like a peculiar misstep because they're not explaining it from a PR perspective as to why they're doing this. I don't really get it. And I don't know why they're not explaining it. Yeah, That's and, what I, mean, I find and weird. I'll, and I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like if that 
was the only, I feel like there's more to it. It's got to be more to it than just that, or they would have pushed it free, taken the hit on the margin and gotten rid of the 4S. Like, it, it, I don't, obviously it's complex. And I think the, the, the nugget of it not being in the US talks a lot about that. Um, but it does like, you know, if, if you're going to go on the cheaper end of things, like the, the storage capacity is one thing that Apple has always done. I mean, they, they do it to, to this day, we're like the only difference between like your 5s and someone else's 5s price wise. Like the only thing that's different is the storage. It's not like the more expensive 5s has a better camera. Um, and so Apple's leveraging a very old technique here of bring the capacity down, make it cheaper. But I, I do worry that an eight gig phone does give a bad, um, a bad experience. You know, I- iOS seven is big apps, especially in this world of retina universal apps, are big and you can i mean i've got 30 games and, and photos and videos yeah and we've talked and about music. that forever like I, i do worry about about that aspect of it that hey someone's like spending a little bit more money than free getting what's you know is, is a newer phone but is then sort of like banging their head against the wall all the time because it's always full you know i have friends with android phones and for as much as we like to imagine these normal people with no clue about how phones operate they all tell me that they prefer android because they can just buy an sd card which is super cheap and have a lot of storage yeah. and keep movies on their phones which are usually samsung phones so the, the, their argument goes i get i got a samsung phone because it's got a bigger screen so i can watch a movie in bed and i can buy an sd card which is cheap to put a lot of movies on my phone So I don't have to use my computer, which is bad. But I don't want to get a Mac. So I got this phone, which is super fancy. I can watch the movies. I can put a lot of stuff on the SD card. Whereas Apple, if I want to to put a lot of movies, it's difficult because I I, I cannot just connect my, my iPhone to my computer and I have to get an app. And with Android, I can buy an SD card. And, I can, and people do this. And, and it's not like I, I hang out with the nerds. These are normal people who go out on Saturday night with me. I, I know these are my friends. They do this stuff. They know about SD cards and they know that Apple is charging a lot of money for storage, which in my opinion, they have a point, you know? You can buy 128 gigabytes in these things, you know? It's like... And, and people are doing that. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's bad. I mean, I get it. Apple's uh, ideology is to, you know, you don't have to manage storage. I get it. But it, can we at least agree that selling an eight gigabyte phone is ridiculous and that, that Apple should make 32 gigs the new base model. I mean, Especially I mean, what we were could... talking about last week. You know, you need 1.5 gigabytes of free space to install iOS 7.1. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like an eight gigabyte phone, how is that going to work? Yeah, it's like, hard. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think what Apple, maybe they would never say this, but maybe the thought is that if you're not one to stash away a little money and buy the new the new phone every time then maybe you're not the type of consumer that would have a lot of stuff on their phone like at least apps and games i think everyone has a lot of photos so maybe that's oh, yeah, because because that app, because apple assumes that everybody's buying their movies on itunes i guess i mean come on yeah i think that's all we gotta say there yeah i think that just about wraps up this week's episode of the prompt would you say guys have we got anything else we'd like to add today 
Uh, By the way, we really do love Apple. I mean, you know, just and clear. I really do love you guys. I yeah. mean, even if we disagree, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a great like show I'm, for arguments today. It's awesome. I like a great that. show for arguments. And I love Apple. I just think that on a few points, they're doing they some strange make, stuff at the moment. They could make me happier. They're doing some strange stuff. All, I, all I'm going to say, it's like a, it's like a, like a, the kind of relationship that which. It's fine for the most part, but you wish there was those little tweaks to, to the mechanics and to the chemistry that will make it perfect. God, it's another strange thing that I've noticed about how why all the executives are given official statements about this Haunted Empire book. Uh, I don't yeah, it's know. super weird. It's uh, not even worth conversation. The book seems like pure garbage. Yeah, I know, but uh, it's not the book I'm interested in. It's the fact that like Tim it's Cook... It's the reaction to the book. Yeah, that they're, they're giving... That's what I find interesting. I mean, the CEO of the most valuable company in the world called a, a book nonsense. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think because the <laughs> That's book... That's nice, nice I mean, PR. the reason the book is sold a bajillion copies and whoever the author is, I'm sure, is getting a big fat royalty check is that what that book sort of taps into of the fear that Apple is doomed or like off course after Steve Jobs' death. Like there is sort of a groundswell of people who think that and if you stop and think about it for more than two seconds, you realize it's complete ridiculousness. Um, but it sort of taps into like this populist idea that, you know, like when, when, it, when something's on a pedestal, people want to knock it down and that book taps into that. And so I think they sort of have to come out and be like, come on, like, really? Like, come on guys. Don't do it. I take agree action. with that. I agree. Yeah. Take action. I agree with that. It just seems sh- I don't know. It just seems odd that it doesn't seem Apple-like to make those sort of statements, does it? You know, but they've been changing that stuff. It doesn't seem Steve Jobs Apple-like. I don't think we know what Tim Cook Apple is like yet. They have done more of this, right? They do more of this stuff, like Johnny Ives giving uh, profiles. I remember. Do you remember when they were talking about? They were talking about something to do with Samsung once. Shiloh had something in somewhere, and they they seem to have done a lot more of that stuff in the in the last year or so talking to the press more openly. You know what Apple's real problem is? What is it? It's the damn shift key. Oh, it's not, after a week, <laughs> hasn't got any better for me. No, nope. it's still bad. Still not still used bad. to it. Still not used to it. Um, my capital letters are going all over the place. If you want to follow us on Twitter and such like that, we have an account for the show. It's underscore the prompt. We love getting your tweets to there. It's a great way for us to collect some feedback. Talking about feedback, you can go to 5x5.tv slash prompt and you'll see the contact button there. If you want to find the show notes for this week's episode, it's 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 40. If you would like to find me on Twitter, I am imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I and Mr. Stephen Hackett is at ISMH on Twitter. Stephen writes at firetallpixels.net. Federico writes at maxstories.net. And I host a bunch of podcasts at 5x5. If you want to hear my stuff there, you can do that. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt. We'll be back next week with episode 41. Until then, take care, everyone. Love your friends and family. Goodbye. Arrivederci. Adios.